Hello. Hello. Okay, that's phase one. And then the microphone is phase two. And the microphone actually being near my face is phase three. Hello. Hey, it's lots of phases. So many phases. Would have taken Marvel 20 years. Boys and girls, your attention please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It's Tuesday, March 10th, 2015, and this is issue number 16. I can't believe it's only 16 issues. It feels like a lot more, Dave, doesn't it? We did some special stuff, some yeah. specials. And then also, like, this is just ramping up because we're fastly approaching the summer which is everybody's superhero media season. Yeah, and we might have to take a little break around Game of Thrones time. We haven't decided what we're going to do yet, but Dave and I are going to need podcasting weekly about Game of Thrones as well, so we'll see. We'll see what we all have time for and how tired you get of our voices. Um, I, we want to kick off, I think, this week talking about the Avengers trailer. I know you guys are so over it, but it actually dropped the day after we recorded last week, so we didn't get to officially talk about it on air. Uh, we have a couple, you know, it's going to come up in the questions a bit, but, you know, just our general thoughts. I thought we would kick off with that. Dave, do you have any general thoughts you want to share to kick off? Uh, I was glad to see so many money shots, um, just by, in the sense that there had been so many teasers and TV spots up to this that, you know, if I saw a new angle of, you know, Hulk and Hulkbuster fighting, I didn't think I was going to be thrilled by it. But they had the whole team jumping shot. And a little peek at the climax which you didn't get to see, and actually Ultron fighting, which we hadn't seen before. There's a so, lot of Ultron. Yeah, and then, of course, Vision at the end. But it's like to actually have the plot of the movie in the trailer was nice. Yeah, I feel like they were hiding, like, all, all we saw of Ultron was, like, that limping thing that he does, and then, like... You know, the Pinocchio menacing and then some Tony Stark threatening. But to see him in, like, fully articulated, smooth mode, like, however crazy he may be, like, to see him as an actual living, breathing villain uh, was really interesting to me. And, you know, Daredevil, I mean, I don't want to move so immediately off over to Daredevil, but Daredevil released a, a, tra a new trailer today that had a lot of Vincent D'Onofrio in it. So, you know, maybe this is a... A Marvel tactic is to give you your your villains second or later or third or or however you want to put it. You know. Oh, totally. I think I'm not sure exactly what Daredevil is doing. I think this trailer was the first one to also give us a peek at like the greater uh, arc of what that first season is going to be or first batch of episodes. But uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, I would almost certainly say they wanted as much time as possible to render all of those things, so that when we did see it, we didn't go all Jurassic World trailer on it. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and you know, one last thing about the Daredevil trailer. Well, like in addition to seeing 
yeah, more Rosario Dawson, more uh, Scott Glenn, all that sort of stuff, we could actually see the trailer, as in it wasn't as pitch black as as what we've seen before. So yes. I don't know if they like actually lightened things or just threw in a bunch of extra lighter shots or, or what's going on, but it's it's better. I like taking my Netflix on my iPad and putting on my headphones and going outside and like, you know, sitting in the sun, having a beer, watching my Netflix. I'm not going to be able to do that with Daredevil. It just the glare is going to make it impossible. It's dark. Uh, what's nice is that it looks like it's, the, you know, Bendis themed. I haven't seen Powers, which as of now, those of you on PlayStation Network have access to the first three episodes of. But it seems like that is also kind of darker and grittier in tone. So Bendis is ascending, and uh, maybe we're seeing the end of the uh, often derided, candy-coated Marvel look. Well, I mean, that thing is, like, this is supposed to be, you know, whatever DC is doing overall, this is what Marvel has planned to do in their Netflix series, is that grittier, darker tone and look. Yeah, and I think also it's going to be slightly more maturely paced and uh, slightly more violent than I was expecting from what I've heard. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Um, do you want to talk about your to to flip back to the uh, Ultron trailer? Do you want to talk about your vision theory, or do you want to save that? It's speculation. I don't know. It is speculation. Him. There's just a, uh, the last shot of Vision, the first thing we see of him is a glowing thing in the center of his forehead. It was always sort of part of the costume in his uh, comic iteration. And now I'm wondering if there's uh, two Infinity Stones because we're sort of missing uh, two additional gems we haven't seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, the Time Gem and the Soul Gem. And uh, it would seem like the soul gem might be the thing that would, uh, you know, push Vision towards the side of good if, you know, he is initially against them, as some uh, interviews by the cast have shown. Interviews with Chris Hemsworth specifically. I think he says he fights Vision as Thor. Mm. So, yeah, that's uh, Vision's, much like the twins in Age of Ultron, uh, might switch sides back and forth. But, uh, uh, you know, the first Avengers had two infinity stones and we didn't know it so maybe this one has two as well the, uh, the other one being the scepter which isn't the trailer right what's wait what's the other that's one the, in... that's the mind gem what's the other one in the first avengers uh, the oh tesseract. the tesseract that's right the, tesseract. the space space gem yeah yeah so we've got the tesseract we've got the scepter we and then have... in this one it would be the scepter and then maybe the soul gem if that's what's in Vision's head. But I don't well, know. Well, let's run down. Well, let me just really quickly run down what we've seen so far. Because, like, t you know, to, to bring this out broader, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Bring it out broader. This is all leading, you know, as even the biggest noob knows, up to, oh, I hate that word noob. I'm never going to use it again. I'm sorry. Um, up to uh infinity war is the name of the two-parter avengers that's like avengers three and four basically um and so the infinity gems the infinity stones are a big part of that and they've been seeded through the marvel movies so far um but in a lot of places maybe without people knowing it so for like the basic rundown of what we've seen so far we've got loki scepter that is the mind gem, supposedly. We've got the Tesseract. Which would be the space gem, supposedly, because it's a portal. They speak of it as a door. 
Okay, then we've got whatever that thing was called in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that would be the orb, which is the power gem, where they're assuming just because of how it allows uh, one person to basically destroy all organic matter it touches. Okay, and then I was reading somewhere someone thought that the, like the, I forget what it's called in Thor 2, the like mist was yes, actually... Yes, the aether. Yeah, the aether was in actually... Thor 2 is a gem... Uh, we know because it was shown as part of the gems we know about montage ah. during the Marvel event last October. Okay, okay. And it's supposedly their reality gem. Okay, so that's four. What else do we have? Okay. Uh, the two we have left are the time gem and the soul gem. Both have not been established in canon that we know about. Okay, and so you're thinking that the soul gem is what's in Vision's forehead. And I read a theory that Doctor Strange might introduce the time gem just because of the nature of his powers and, and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, it could be that. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that can introduce a lot of these gems right. in the way that we've seen them uh, sort of played with. The only reason, uh, I mean, the soul gem uh, in the comics at some point is in the possession of Adam Warlock or Adam Warlock is in the possession of it. Uh, it sort of allows you to steal souls. And so that also might be something that could play into Guardians of the Galaxy 2 if that character shows up. But it could be a way around it to sort of it be retconned where instead of stealing souls, it also has the power to like transfer or bestow upon souls. It would be the way I would use it in Avengers 2. But that's like wide speculation in the fact that we just need some more gems for these movies and some of them got shuffled around, so it's like well, there's only a few movies that didn't get moved past Infinity Wars that could still have gems in them. Right, right. Um, and we're going to talk a, a little bit more specifically about certain questions you guys had about the trailer in the, in the Q&A section. But before we get there, uh, I did want to mention while we're on the subject of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that James Gunn confirmed when there was this you know, short-lived little hope because James Gunn was like why is everyone assuming that this character you and I talked about this last week this character that's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 James Gunn allegedly his favorite character why was everyone assuming that it was a man and not a woman and so that everyone's like oh my god it's a Captain Marvel but James Gunn has said definitively is not Captain Marvel and Dave is still pretty sure we're not even going to see Captain Marvel in Avengers 2 so uh, we'll just keep waiting Carol for you to show up uh, well, you know, I mean, hopefully it'll be worth it when it comes along. <laughs> and um, and the last thing I'll say is we definitely won't get uh, like an announcement about who Carol, who's playing Carol at Comic Con, because also according to James Gunn, Marvel is not going to Comic Con this year, which is kind of a big, big bombshell that was dropped this week. So, yeah, take that, San Diego. <laughs> Marvel's going to have its own con. It's joining the Disney Tricon race. Or at least I think it's going to be Tricon. Some people think they're all going to be, it's going to be all under D23, but I think you're stupid if you don't have your own Marvel con like Star Wars has its own celebration. Yeah, I think, I mean, like they did the Marvel event last year. I just think it's a bummer for fans, right? Because most of the people who were at the Marvel event last year were like industry industry and press, right? So I... Uh, I know there were some fans in there, right? But mostly it was industry and press. Well, and I'm sure I mean, you get that you at Comic-Con take... as well, but... Right. I mean, it's like the size of Hall H versus the size of the El Capitan Theater. You're going to have as much press in there as could possibly get in there because it's Marvel anyway. What this does do is freeze up a Hall H spot for something else that 
doesn't need to, you know, maybe can relieve the stress of Saturday where everybody assumed there was going to be Batman v Superman, like right next to a Marvel panel. Too much. So now, yeah, that's just, that's too much. I don't want to, you don't want those people in line with each other. Uh, just like a whole (laughs) bunch of, it was going to be horrible. Uh, yeah, this is a great listenership. Like, you know, the war between DC and, and Marvel continues to rage. So. Yeah, or not so much our own listenership as people who've noticed that we've been talking about comics in public forums. Uh, right. But yeah, you know, there's there's high feelings either side. But I think this is really good for the comics industry because I think San Diego Comic-Con should revert slightly more back to that, uh, especially since the majority of the people will not be waiting in line trying to get into Hall H that day. Uh, so, And then this is also the summer that uh, Convergence is happening on DC's side and Secret Wars is happening on Marvel's side so there's definitely going to be a presence from Marvel just not Marvel Studios and also that doesn't necessarily X out any sort of Marvel television either but like yeah I would have been disappointed if they showed up with a limp-wristed you know like Ant-Man only you know look at the highlight reel of well, Daredevil. It must be a nightmare to try to get all those people together for comic-con i mean or just yeah for any on someone event, else's but, schedule but like at the marvel event last year they had like three of them right it was like chris evans robert Downey jr and chadwick boseman like, from what i understand all the directors were like who wanted to come were invited and a lot of them yeah, did come the direct- just to be I, in the audience for some reason i think it's harder to wrangle all these stars who have all these commitments than it is directors that maybe that's me having like a, a star focus i don't know but like to get you know, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson and Jeremy Renner and all these people in the same room just sounds like a night, a logistical nightmare to me. So I, I That's really true, but Marvel. I mean, the funny thing is, like, half of them are going to be at Comic-Con for other things anyway, Probably. so it's, it's like... True. Yeah, they could have had Benedict Cumberbatch on their Marvel panel this year. Come on, that's Comic-Con gold. Comic-Con well, gold. Well, now he could, have, he could have his own little mini panel in the three-hour-long Apple-like a Marvel presentation that comes once a year. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going to talk about DC now, for reals. We've got a couple DC items, and I, we will get to your questions, I promise. Um, the first is we haven't had a chance to talk on air about the Supergirl costume. Uh, you know, Dave and I talked about it before all the backlash happened, and we both liked it. I still like it. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? Yeah, no, I th- I see where they're pulling from the movie to sort of bring that in, and but yeah, it's got some texture, but I don't think it's tasteless. I think Supergirl kind of looks like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. That's it's a horrible way to talk about costumes. We might talk about costumes later on, but yeah, we are going to yeah. talk about costumes later on. But like, um, I-, I I like it a lot. And I don't know, it just like, unlike the Wonder Woman costume, it doesn't strike me as exploitative at all. Like she looks beautiful, but like also tasteful. That sounds so gross to say, but you know, when you get, when you get men, I mean, I understand that like the men wear these like very clingy bodysuits often and stuff like that. I don't know, whatever, body image, blah, blah, blah. The one thing well, I so will... Did, yeah, this, I mean, Superman in this universe doesn't have a very flattering costume and he has to constantly stay buff and worked out. Yeah. So it's like... It, it, that material and design in that story world is going to do things to the actors. I don't think that's the costumes problem. Um, no underwear on the super suit. At least they, anyway. I still, I still have flashbacks to that. Man of Steel flashbacks come in the least expected places. 
Did you see the Did you see the pictures of her and her alter ego? By the way, no, no, I'll Google them right Those now. Those were leaked today. Oh, okay. Uh, what? I'm... It's basically like the Clark Kent version. She like puts her hair up a little bit and wears glasses. And I was like, I don't hate this. This isn't she's all thatting all the way because they let some of the hair be down. Oh, and I it's see. not like full pon- ponytail. I see. I see what's happening. Um, yeah, she looks cute. She's wearing like yeah. a like cute little red skirt and pretty pink dress. Um, yeah, the she's all thatting language that was in that original Hollywood Reporter write up. We've talked about that before. Anyway, well, one thing I want to say about that uh, promo photos that was released, and I talked about this on Twitter already, is how hilarious I find the shadow that they threw on the bottom of her boots so that we could not talk about our heels, which is quite often what we talk about when we see superheroine <laughs> costumes released, and they were just like, nope, we don't want to have that conversation today. No, thank you. So they just like CG to, or, you know, photoshopped a shadow on the bottom of her boots so we couldn't tell like where the heel situation was. But Brilliant. I like their thigh highs. I think they look really, they don't look like trashy thigh highs they look like gladiator thigh highs they look really cool so i like them yeah and then i think there's i mean say what you will for a mini skirt but if we're going for Zack snyder style i want to see that textured thing fly around in slow motion <laughs> like there's a way to, there's there's a reason that she has a mini skirt and a cape that i can make for some really dynamic looking things it certainly has on the page uh, i i would say go for it on the screen yeah but uh, i don't think cbs is really that kind of network but wouldn't it be great if it were i mean i don't think that they're going to go like super exploitative right is that the well, concern? I, I actually honestly didn't dive no, close no, no, to not, the No, no, not exploitative. Because... But like, oh. you know, I think Flash is a step up in using superhero imagery or like moments from Arrow. Oh, you mean and like so, rather than just like having her lying on a table with her arms out in front of her and then, you know, like like uh, Dean Cain used to do? Yeah, like f- finding a way to yeah. find the visual language of the series that makes the most of its design. I hope that Supergirl could hit it really hard. Yeah. Because, because yeah, I mean, there's she's elegant and beautiful when she's flying around punching things. That should that could be translated. There we go. We will talk about that a little bit more too, uh, in theory. Um, okay, so Adam, the Adam spinoff. Oh, I mean, I'm calling it that, but it's. Oh, 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 corrections department. I should have said this. I got corrected everywhere about this, which is that the soap opera is called The Bold and the Beautiful, and you were talking about The Brave and the Bold, right? Correct. Right. I still think the association stands, but I was completely wrong about the name of the soap opera, so thank you for the corrections. And I feel like there was one more correction. I don't remember what it was. So I'm sorry, but thank you for writing in for your corrections. Um, We feel horrible. But in the best kind way. of horrible because I made I made a mistake on the station agents too, so it was three mistakes I made, and I just got a lot of tweets and emails about them. And as long as your tone is nice, it's fine. But some people don't play nice, and that's okay. It's the internet, whatever. Also, no emoticons ever. I would say no sarcastic emoticons. <laughs> um, all right, so the 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 brave and the bold's working title spinoff. Do you have any thoughts on these extra character descriptions that were released? I think today. Uh, I had not had seen them, but okay. so no. Do you have thoughts? Tell me your thoughts. Oh, I do, well, I I haven't heard of. Well, we were talking a little bit off air about diversity. Uh, it seems like they're making a real real push for diversity. Um. So I. Oh well. Okay. Okay. You have some thoughts now. 
Well, uh, the Booster Gold one I like. Uh, the Traveler, I believe he is. Uh-huh. I would like the idea that he's Booster Gold. He's a time-traveling hero. And at one point, th- that exact creative group was trying to get a TV show with him off the ground. It never happened. So I think they've figured out idea to, a way to do Booster Gold really well. And he was is popular enough of a character to have an Easter egg of Man in, in Man of Steel. So that would be uh, sweet. So we've got the trap. The this is according to a report from TV Line, and we've got the Traveler is the de- you know described as a Han Solo esque rogue who gets by with his charm, and then they they put out a couple suggestions like uh, Rip Hunter, Booster Gold, uh, then one called the Female Warrior. This is twenty something Latina, is pretty but unassuming, book smart and socially awkward by day, but by night when she hears the cry of battle, her fury is ignited. Uh, they suggested uh, Fury, aka Helena Cosmatos. Um, uh, Pampa or Tarantula, right? Mm-hmm. And then Mystery Hero, an African-American male in his 20s will fill the role of a regular street smart guy who unexpectedly gains powers and then as part of the team regularly quips about the insanity of situations. And they suggested... <laughs> this shit's crazy! <laughs> this is insane! Uh, Virgil Ovid Hawkins uh, could also be Black Lightning or Black Vulcan. Uh, so... <laughs> they're like characters are black in front of them, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, so it seems like they're filling out the ranks. Um, with some non-white people, which I think is pretty cool, personally. And, yeah, some some interesting side characters that, that haven't gotten a lot of play in adaptations, right? So, yeah. Cool. Someone else brought up, uh, when I was trying to guess what side characters would come up, that they should do Dial H for Hero, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's like a phone, and if you dial in Hero, it turns you into a superhero, but not the same hero twice. So if you start adding in those heroes from the comics and considering them adaptation-worthy heroes, there's like 49 new entries that would be awesome for television. Nice. Um, but Plastic, Plastic Man is who it should be. <laughs> so that is, that is the, the Brave and the Bold uh, lineup. If you guys have any suggestions or thoughts based on that, like I said, that's a, that's a report over on tvline.com. Uh, we might link to it in the show notes take a look and then the last thing this comes before dave actually talks some actual comics not just film and television uh is this comes from dave's home site dave do you want to talk about this this rumor that your people spread on the internet today my people uh, <laughs> how dare you el Mayme from latino review has been hearing that uh wb might want chris pine for hal jordan green lantern uh, yeah, and so then the big outcry from that, uh, uh, rumor that went around today, um, was, no, not Hal Jordan, basically, is that basically, no, not another white Green Lantern, is that, is that what the response is? Uh, I mean, I, I guess, uh, some people have been interested in seeing a Kyle or a John, uh, Green Lantern, right, and not a Hal uh, right. um, we're, we're just down to first names here. We yeah. have back issues of the thought bubble. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is at this point, I don't know how involved Green Lantern is. It seems like, you know, he'll show up in Justice League at some point f- fully formed. So I don't know if they're going to lean on the same sort of thing with Batman where it's like, oh, we did make a movie with that. So maybe people will sort of remember where he came from. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't think that Chris Pine's commitment to like the new Star Trek is going to get in the way, and I can't think of anything else he has going on. 
And I think he's pretty charismatic for somebody with a strong will, jet fighter, jet fi- pilot, <laughs> fighter-ish. I love, I love Chris Pine. I'm a huge Chris Pine fan. I'm a fan. Where, where, okay, where do I rank the Chris's? I think I have to say... Oh, oh, oh they were doing this. All right. Get, get your answer ready. I think it has to be Chris Evans is my number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Pratt, I guess, number two. I just resent putting him there because it's so obvious. Chris Pine is number three, and Hemsworth bringing in the rear <laughs> number four. Still charming, oh. but the least charming of all four. Where I do, you, do Evans, you... Pratt, uh, Pine, Hemsworth, Pratt. Pratt last. Okay, I see, I see where you're coming from. He's there. good. No, he's he's good, but he, I mean, all these guys have already been through the Chris Pratt moment. He's just in the middle of his moment. But he's having the moment more than they ever had their moment. What do you mean? There was like a Avengers uh, Cabin in the Woods moment where everybody was like, hey, Chris Hemsworth, guess that was a good decision way back when we cast him in Thor and he was nobody. Yeah, but like those movies Thor, were made Cabin out of... Cabin in the Woods is not the same as like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Jurassic World, and then like, hey, Indiana Jones, hey, Ghostbusters, like let's put him in every single fucking franchise. Like Chris Pratt is, is riding a Jennifer Lawrence high that I can't see how it possibly won't you know, first. Well, what that doesn't make me like him more, though. No, no, no. I know. I just saying these other guys, they've been around for a little bit, but I like I like what they're doing. I yeah. like that Chris Pine could pop up in weird I places and do cool performances that I wasn't expecting. Um, you know, not even if they're not always good, but I like that more than Chris Pratt, who's very good in everything that he does, but I expect what he does and he delivers on it. Um. All right. So. You know, possibly. Hemsworth is just charming. I don't know what that is. That I, might be a guy I, crush thing. I like him. And he's huge. He's, he's just huge and looks like Thor, and he is Thor, and he just seems to be fine with that <laughs> being his place in life. And like, that's great. Uh, all right. So we'll we'll see what happens with that with that Green Lantern uh, rumor. And in other in another episode, I promise to go, delve more deeply into Dave's thing for Chris Hemsworth. But right now, you're going to talk about another uh, huge specimen. I am. Go for it. (laughs) Uh, So those of you who have been following our Goodreads account might have noticed that I finally finished Boom Studios' Six-Gun Gorilla. It is written by Simon Spurrier and drawn, driven, (laughs) actually kind of driven by both of them, but drawn by Jeff Stokely. Uh, it's a, I bought it in a single graphic novel novel form. I think it's a six-issue limited series. Um, I'm going to just read the back of it uh, to describe the plot and then talk to you about why it's more than that. But I don't want to give away anything because I think you guys should really pick up this book. Here we go. A bizarre other world colonized by humans sometime in the 22nd century, which quickly became a hotly contested source of fertile land and natural resources long ago exhausted on Earth. In this new frontier, a rogue gunslinger and his companion wander across a wilderness in the grips of civil war, encountering lawlessness, natives, and perversions of civilization in a world at the crossroads between the past and the future. The fact that said gunslinger is a biosurgically modified silverback gorilla toting a pair of enormous revolvers is neither here nor there. Nice. Anyway, it's like a sci-fi western book. And each issue complicates the story world and the story and makes you realize why the mechanics of the first issue worked the way they did. It was the sort of thing where I sat down and I read it in like two hours afterwards. I was still talking to people about it and tweeting the creators about it because it's just got 
really good ideas and a really tight story. And it's about storytelling, like some of my favorite comics, like The Unwritten and Fables and whatnot. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, really good. These guys are going to have another book coming out this year by Boom Studios, and I'll let you guys know when that's out. But Six Gun Gorilla, I have, it's very rare that I, like, pick up a comic that I wasn't, like, looking for and am so pleasantly surprised by it. And so please be surprised by it as well. It's on our Goodreads account. I rated it five stars. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So that's Six Gun Gorilla. If you guys are, you know, complaining about us never actually talking about comics, we do about 10% of the time, I promise. <laughs> um, all right. So this first question, we're going to head back to the world of television, though. This comes from Phil from Santa Cruz, and he says, The return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week, as well as the release of new trailer for Age of Ultron, got me thinking, since the final three episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season will air after Age of Ultron is released... I was wondering what impact do you think the prospective events of Ultron will have on S.H.I.E.L.D.? Will we see a shakeup on the scale of what happened last year following Winter Soldier? I would expect the repercussions of Age of Ultron will have on the MCU to reverberate down to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a fairly significant way. What say you? Will dealing with some Ultron-related mayhem be how Sky ultimately comes to grips with her new powers? Or will we just get more tangential tie-in like when Coulson and company were on cleanup duty following the events of Thor The Dark World? Once again, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. And actually, I'm going to... I think I should hop over and read the other uh, Ultron Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. question. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. question? Okay. Um, okay, and this one comes from Jeremiah. And he said, like most people, I was pretty excited about the final Avengers trailer. I like the new footage, but I'm curious about how the... La- about, about the lack of Hydra. Maybe I missed something obviously obvious, but I didn't really see any indication of Hydra being in the movie. Given what a major plot point Hydra was in Winter Soldier, and the last we saw of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch was being held captive by Baron von Strucker, what role do you see Hydra playing in Avengers and future movies? Do you think we're just going to see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch escape in the beginning and that's it? Dave, what are uh, your multi-tiered answers here? I think we saw a lot in last week's Agents of Shield episode uh, that uh, of them sort of ending Hydra and pivoting into the more X Men like uh, way that the season's going to play out until yeah. Age of Ultron. I mean, I watched the episode. I understood what they did, but it wasn't until you wrote this down that I really understood that they wiped out Hydra in one episode. Which is crazy. Except for Baron Von Strucker, who they kept name dropping because they're like, and he's also, he's out. <laughs> he's, he's out there. there. He's got the yeah, twins. Yeah. It's a thing. Wait for May. But I think like we have <laughs> enough time, uh, or we don't have enough time in between here and there to really reboot Hydra up. But that's as, crazy, uh, isn't it? That, that this big threat that they introduced in Captain America was wiped out in one episode of television. This big threat that was percolating since, you know, World War II wiped out in one episode of television but cut off the head you know what they say about i think Hydra. it was yeah i think it was more crazy the way it was done as like a b plot that was really complex yeah like there was a, it's really elegant the way that they actually you know have these multiple cons that lead them to the capability of killing all of hydra but it's like that was not the focus of the episode you we feel were like the sky stuff was the focus. Yeah, yeah i feel like that it was basically a heist movie right it was like oceans 11 basically Right. And maybe that should have been its own episode and deal with Sky later. Well, if, if it would have been even something that, you know, I was aware of what the end climax of it was going to be, but maybe they're going to make more to do of it down the way. But it looks like it's we're going to pivot to 
Sky's dad is going to activate the index, and Reyna's going to learn more about the Inhumans, and Sky's going to secretly try to control her power with okay, fits. Let's, let's walk it back. What does activate the index mean? Find all oh. the other Inhumans? Um, I think that S.H.I.E.L.D. has a list of these people with powers called the Index. Uh-huh. So that's the thing that's going to make it sort of x manny Is I don't know if all these people are inhumans or if these are just more villains that we're going to bring in. But it's a way to do sort of a uh, every once Cerebro in a while. thing? Well, like every once in a while your big bad throws a villain of the week of the week at you. And then at the end maybe they all come together or something. So activate it- the Index is Kyle McLaughlin who's our who's our big bad, in theory, uh, sending up a bad signal for henchmen. Is that what you're saying, kind of? He's going to go out there and Lynch. sort of test the shield until he gets his daughter back. Okay. Sorry, keep going. Um, uh, yeah, and then Reyna obviously got picked up with from Noah's Johnson and um, got ported away where she's going to learn sort of how to deal with her inhumanness that her... Life is pain now and whatnot. Maybe she needs how to deal with that. Maybe she needs to develop her powers because she's going to live with it forever. So that's going to be our way into. Um, is it okay? Basic- is it okay for me to say that I'm really into Noah's Johnson as like, a name? No, or no, like- just the way he flashed in. You know, like first of oh, all, like, oh, uh, you know, like into Noah's Johnson. Yeah, I'm into it. No, um, that's good. Like it's- they, they, you know, they had introduced him at the the cliffhanger mid-season finale at the end and then we got this great um scene with him and sky's mom you know when he was young and figuring out his powers that was so well done really really well done i thought and then yeah and then he just swoops in and it's so dashing and i i really like him well and then we also had the beginning where it was established that he was basically trained by sky's mother so we're gonna have this whole parental battle over sky's soul going on which is very echoed to a certain degree in uh, Age of Ultron. So if they could find a way to meld those two things together thematically and not have to like break the story world of one to affect the other, I think that would be great. Uh, but I don't think it necessarily needs to either because I think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this year with like the four episodes post-Age of Ultron uh, is going to try to do a sprint, A, to make itself cool, and B, to maybe lay some Ant-Man groundwork really quick. Because, uh, like, the Avengers doesn't need help from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not like if uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is leading up to the Avengers, people are like, well, I guess I, was gonna, I wasn't going to see it, but now I'm going to see it. So it's more likely to me that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will sort of sidestep this one more like Thor the Dark World, but hopefully thematically be intertwined, because I would love Agent Coulson to show up in Avengers, Yeah, too. yeah, drop your Coulson theory, which I like. Well, I think it's a good way to bring them back together. Um, they still aren't aware that he lived after the first Avengers. And uh, there's a time where they're all meeting up in the cabin in the trailers that they, we've seen some clips of that indicate they've already sort of failed once with Ultron. And, you know, it's sort of edited in the trailer to look like it's Nick Fury there. But I'm wondering if maybe it's Coulson there who just shows up once again to, you know, we didn't put that in the spoiler section because it's pure speculation. But it'll be really fun if you're sitting in the, if you're sitting in the theater and Phil Coulson shows up and he's a surprise and you'd be like, whatever. Dave told me that was probably going to happen. So yeah, and it makes emotional <laughs> sense because yeah. there's only a few people that are going to be able to sit the Avengers down and be like, there are things worse than death, and one of them's Phil Coulson. 
And if it's, uh, if it's, uh, Nick Fury, we're just all going to be so disappointed. We're going to be like, oh, I wanted to be Coulson. Yeah, uh, well, do you really think Sky's going to... Have you seen the trailer for next week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I have not, but lay it okay. on me. No, I'm just saying I, I don't know actually how long Sky's thing is going to be a secret. It could have been edited weird. I don't, I don't know. But I was, I was with you. I thought sort of she and Fitz would keep the secret for a while. Mm-hmm. The trailer makes it look like maybe that's not the case, but, but we'll have to see. Well, that's cool, because, I, I mean, the whole Fitz versus Simmons storyline could use some softening. I like that they're at odds, but I don't like that they're so extremely oh, at odds. Oh, Felicity, Felicity Simmons in this episode, I think. Yeah. If we're using Felicity the right way. Uh, they just made her sort of so shrill in a way that she's never been before uh, in order to create this, manufacture this conflict. It yeah. just didn't feel organic to our character, so... But, you know, I'd rather that them deal with that and not keep Sky's thing a secret. In which case, I'd like to know what Fury's locked toolbox is or whatever. And maybe that leads us into Age of Ultron with whatever Mockingbird's up to. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So our next question is about sort of about Dave's favorite topic of all time. This is from Dean, who claims to be both from Broccoli and London. Uh, and he says, Hey guys, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a bad film, but it's the best Spidey suit we've seen on the big screen thus far. So I guess my question this week is, what comic book films do you think, do you feel the costume department really got it right? Other special mentions are Steve Rogers' stealth suit in Captain 2 uh, Winter Soldier. The yellow slash blue costumes worn by the team in X-Men First Class, and a bit of a weird one, Young Mr. Incredible's solo super suit. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Uh, I, <laughs> this is so dumb. I'm going to weirdly pick uh, Hawkeye's awesome coat in the Ultron trailer. I mean, we, I had seen set photos, but seeing him in still, it looked kind of silly. Seeing it in action, it looked kind of great. I've always loved a long coat on an action star. So um, I'm really into that. Dave, what's your answer? Better answer. Interesting. Wouldn't you just give that to, like, Carrie Ann Moss in The Matrix? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's evoking The Matrix and, like, mm. a bunch of other things we've seen. Highlander. You know, where where Aaron Aaron Paul no, it's not Aaron Paul. Adrian Paul is Highlander. He used to like walk around this awesome trench coat, and then when he had to fight, he would pull a sword out of nowhere, out of the back of his coat. So in theory, he's got like a sword strapped to his back, but it, he obviously doesn't. Anyway, what I'm saying is, Hawkeye could like just tuck his whole bow at the, down the back of his coat if he wanted to. It's true. Highlander rules. <laughs> What's your answer? Uh, first of all, I'm with the reader on Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was based on the Mark Bagley illustrated Spider-Man, which is my Spider-Man as a Clone Wars and Ultimate fan. Yay. Um, the Spawn movie actually had one shot where I liked uh, the entire makeup of the costume where he's descending into the ballroom to confront Michael Sheen. His mask's up and they're actually using his sentient cape and uh, it works for that shot. Um, the movie didn't work though because they do the same thing that like they do with Tover Grace in Spider-Man Three, where if he's acting. They sort of pull the mask back so we can see his facial expressions. Now, also, the acting and plot are not good. So I'm not saying watch Spawn, but watch the trailer. The last shot of the trailer—that's what I'm talking about. 
Um, otherwise, I kind of like the look of homemade costumes on movie superheroes. Uh, maybe that's like the inner cosplayer in me, or like the like hope that one day I get superpowers and I don't want to like wait to figure out how to sew more lycra. I might as well just like throw on what I have. So stuff like the crimson bolt from Super or the raincoat in uh, Unbreakable. And you might notice I'm giving points to older things uh, because I think that they deserve points uh, the further back before superhero culture was all around and we were sort of more cognizant of design. Um, Like upcoming things like the Warner Brothers movies, they could be good. I want to see them in motion, like I said, with Supergirl. Uh, The texture thing, I get why they're doing it and it sort of worked in Man of Steel. Uh, Just, you know, we'll see. I, I I don't know what Aquaman looks like from a monochrome picture of that actor. I just I, I don't. So I gotta I gotta see what it what it all looks like in motion. I think it looks good. Or, I mean, uh, he he looks see. good. Yeah. He looks good with fake tattoos on him. Yeah. We knew that before. Uh, that's true. <laughs> um, all right. So speaking of Supergirl, we actually have a question about that. Which Dave answered on Twitter, but just in case you don't follow us on Twitter, this is from George, and he says, "Is Supergirl as powerful as Superman? If not, why not? She should be di- pretty damn close." And this is the best part of the email. Also, why does Autocorrect know Superman but wanted to change Supergirl into Showgirl? If I were a woman, I might take offense to this. <laughs> I I urge you, listeners. Well, first of all, I want to go back. If you have a better cost superhero costume that you can think of that you want to email us or tweet us about, uh, we, I'd love to hear your responses with with screenshots. Welcome. Send in your favorite uh, superhero costume. Uh, but also try typing Supergirl into your phone or whatever and see if it tries to change it to Showgirl. Let us We're going to get so many Showgirl emails. Uh, no, no Elizabeth Berkeley emails. Um, Dave, what is your great answer to this question? Um, Kara was either in space longer or had yellow sun batteries with her inner capsule, which actually means she's technically stronger. There's a couple... Yeah. Um, there's a couple of times in the series where other characters claim that she's stronger, and this has uh, sprung a whole debate as to whether or not she is, because also in the same storyline, Superman mentions that he's always holding back, so it's like, oh, but his power could be infinity. So there's a lot of good debate on this online, but it's all headcanon because the real debate is she's either as strong or stronger. There's no is she weaker debate that is taken seriously, uh, I don't think. So, yeah, stronger. Yeah, so look for Melissa Benoist to uh, kick some ass, apparently. Um, And sort of tangentially related, Chris from Canada wrote in, he sent us this link to a um, Marie Claire listicle which is great it's called the feminist ranking of female superheroes and he basically uh and it's got you know a lot of the people that we've talked about like kamala khan uh susie from sex criminals buffy summers barbara gordon squirrel girl which we talked about uh the rat queens which we've talked about um Alana from Saga, which we've definitely talked about. Kate, uh, Kate King, we should talk a little bit, a little bit, and then Red Sonia, Gail Simone, Red Sonia. I think we just talked about Kate King and talking about how horrible DC was with that whole situation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and Carol Danvers. So it's a great list, uh, and it made me realize sort of how feminist focused my reading is. But you shouldn't be surprised if you've ever heard me talk about anything that that's the case. Uh, and then he basically asked us uh, what what we thought was missing. And what did I say? I said Bitch Planet, uh, though I don't have specific characters in mind. Dave, what is your answer to what's missing? 
Uh, Kate Bishop, the third Hawkeye, formerly of the Young Avengers and currently in Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Or I don't even think Fraction's on Hawkeye he's anymore. He's not doing or, it anymore. But, but, mo- but re- most run. recently used well in Matt Fraction's Hawkeye uh-huh. run. Uh, just because she's not super powered. She's just like an awesome girl who sort of hates uh, hate, hates crime and injustice. And <laughs> I think there's one Young Avengers story where they mention that she might have, you know, been assaulted and that was motivated her to like get some sort of training. But it was done really tastefully in a way where there was just a panel of the fact that she was going to be assaulted and they never really talked about details or what happened or, you know, if just a guy jumped out at her and she got really scared and that motivated her. All that happened is she went and talked to Jessica Jones, who was a therapist at the time. So it's like she's never been, or she has occasionally been, not fridged entirely, but misused. But the character itself is still pretty pure as a non-superpowered, awesome superhero. And that's, um, these current, I think these are all current runs, right? Yeah, or at least um, you can jump on all these heroes for their current runs and see the thing that makes them great. So we're going to link that in the show notes, but I would I would wonder why Jessica Jones wouldn't be in there. Uh, but I think they're just trying to keep the list a little bit more contemporary. Is there currently a Jessica Jones story running? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it's weird that She-Hulk wasn't in there because the newest She-Hulk run was pretty good, but that was also just more about lawyering, not so much about fighting crime. So... But in terms of a good female representation in comic books, that's good. And I'm sure I'm missing other ones from things I'm not reading. I'm sure uh, people will tell us. Please do yeah. tell us nicely and with no sarcastic emojis. I know you won't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, two more emails. They're both from people named Francis. This one is Francis from Perth. And he says, I was wondering if you guys, mostly, most likely Dave, had any thoughts on the criticism of Joss Whedon's uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? Mainly if Dave had any additional comics knowledge to shed some light on or on the context or if it's just kind of messed up. And then this is from a Tumblr post. So our our listener did not write this, but our listener is quoting this Tumblr post, which says, There is nothing cool about what Joss Whedon did to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's background. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are Jewish Romani and the children of Holocaust survivors. Joss Whedon whitewashed them and turned them into neo-Nazis who volunteered to be Hydra guinea pigs. I understand that he had to change things because they do not own X-Men, but that's not an excuse. His new backstory for them is offensive, disgusting, and inexcusable. Uh, Dave... Uh, this is referring to Avengers Age of Ultron Prelude, which is on sale wherever you get your digital or comic books. But, you know, I wouldn't buy it. It's going to be covered in Avengers. I bit that bullet for you guys this weekend and read the whole thing. <laughs> okay, uh, so we do know for certain that that's their backstory. So basically what happens is they're protesting like we've seen in the trailers and the slow motion shots because there's a war in this fictional country that we don't get any details about why they're at war, but this is happening before the downfall of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Baron Von Strucker is has obtained Loki's staff and is experimenting in this country because it's so war-torn um, on different animals and things, and he realizes that it's time to accelerate and use human test subjects. So he basically goes out to the crowd and promises them that if they want to fight for their version of justice, they, he can give them powers, and he can make them an Iron Man, and he can make them a shield. 
Um, this is obviously before the downfall of S.H.I.E.L.D. A whole bunch of people volunteer. S.H.I.E.L.D. falls away. Everybody realizes it's a Hydra facility, but by that point, all the test subjects are dead except uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver um, for reasons unknown, but they've been experimented on by the staff. Uh, so it's all been sort of done for a story purpose and not so much a whitewashing purpose. Like Marvel movies, not go, it spent so much time building up its alternate universe history uh, through world war two that I don't think we're going to stop and mention things like the Holocaust, the Holocaust or get into any sort of like ethnic war because we're living in a world where they're trying to, you know, wipe out Hydra, which is uh, like a resurgent power from world war two. And there's no parallel to that. Uh, necessarily in our world and therefore no real world consequences to having characters in a movie do whatever they want with that sort of background. I think like the emotional center of uh, who Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are is, you know, gypsies and uh, Jews and uh, the parents or the children of parents with who suffered great loss uh, will still be there, but it, was will only inform their performances. I'm not sure we're going to stop and really think about it. Um, they just have to have enough against humanity uh, to think that the downfall of the Avengers is worthwhile enough to join up with Ultron uh, initially. And like Joss Whedon does, he puts gives everybody a personal stake in what they're doing. So making them uh, fictional refugees that were experimented on from an Eastern European country is basically what they did in, you know, Agent Carter, just with the the Black Widow program. Right, I was thinking it sounds like a Black Widow thing. Yeah, and if Agent Carter didn't mention the Holocaust and was closer to World War II and was going back to, like, those sort of atrocities that would happen during the war, there's no way that a movie that needs to play internationally is going to touch any of the real-world issues that the comics did. So I don't think it's like a case of malicious whitewashing. I think it's a case of this is going to be the biggest movie of the year until Star Wars opens and you can't sell, you know, some ideas to China. Well, okay, let me counter you a little bit. Like, I don't agree with a lot of the inflammatory language that was in this Tumblr post, but that's what Tumblr is for. It's for inflammatory language, so I understand right. that. Um, and I trust Joss Whedon implicitly so you know I, I agree with you no malicious intent though we can see things happen all the time with you know good intentions and and just you know but but bad choices are made anyway that being said i mean eric eric lesher is a holocaust survivor and that's a part of that story like i i hear what you're saying in terms of since they didn't talk about an agent carter you know they're likely not going to talk about it but i, I don't think you can say that having the Holocaust in a comic book movie as part of something, as part of a flashback, as part of a heritage, um, will make it unsellable. Will make mm. it, um, You're right. No, that's not, that's not, I didn't say it right. Oh, okay. Uh, that's not Marvel's attitude. Uh, that's the X-Men story. Right. Uh you know, the X-Men are gay people, they're the Holocaust victims, they're outcasts, they're they're all of that. The Avengers are, you know, those that uh, get along despite themselves because they dare to be more. But they're also, I mean, maybe not Thor. Well, Thor, Thor a bit, but like, you know, Steve was like the scrawny guy outcast and, you know... Scarlet uh, Black Widow is, you know, a damaged, like a, a, like, 
I don't know. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, very I think... well, but like, I, I agree. I know what you mean. Like, the mutants are other. Like, that's their thing. But I, I, you know, I think you can't look at Hulk and Steve Rogers and Black Widow and not say that these are not damaged other people. You know? No, I agree. But like, the Avengers' job is to get over all of that and save the world, no matter what the problem is. The right. X Men's job is to just sort of like take care of the X-Men. I mean, they end up saving the world a lot because, you know, mutants also tend to fight humanity in the movies. Right. But it's, they're, they're totally different dynamics and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in this dynamic. If you can't even touch mutants, I would say just eject that and make sure they work as Avengers. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, it can still work. I, I mean, I, I understand that people who come from that culture and that legacy would want to see that experience reflected on screen would want to see you know their jewish heritage reflected or or their family's holocaust experience reflected but i think if you update it to sort of war-torn middle of nowhere that's still a uh, it's not an exact corollary by any means but it's still you know well i mean superman superman has been the super immigrant jew without ever saying that he's any of those things for everybody so as long as they're serving the emotional right. themes of what these people are going exactly. through it doesn't matter if they put a label on it or yeah. not to me yeah uh it might matter to other people and i understand why it matters to other people but i agree with you that that i think if you if you find i, I don't understand what this neo-nazi label this post has on that i mean i haven't read the the comic that you read but um yeah it all comes from qualify, we don't know. would you qualify them as neo nazis no yeah okay they team up with i mean i think this just comes from a reading of a wrong reading of the timeline of the comic because it's not very clear at what time all these events happen but they join up with hydra pretending to be shield they don't join up with hydra so this person might have reread it as like they're like oh hydra's taking volunteers we'll do that even though you know Hydra basically was the Nazis. So they thought they were joining Shield. They thought they were joining Shield it's like it was before aliens. Captain America too. Yes. <laughs> that's Some what happened. To, that's what happened to Sydney Bristow. Okay, sorry. She thought she Some was in the CIA. Some things are like aliens. She thought she was not. Okay. All right. So this this uh, last thing is from Francis from Oakland, and he said the first. Well, first of all, Francis Francis full disclosure is a friend of mine, and he called us out off <laughs> off email. For when we were talking about the Hulk and sex and Black Widow uh, last week, we forgot to make the angel comparison on Buffy, which is true. It's like a, it, it's a very clear comparison. Angel could not have orgasms on Buffy because if he did, he would lose his soul and lose control and kill people. So, yes. uh, you know, Joss Whedon just revisiting old themes, basically. He has a whole drawer full of index cards with <laughs> jokes about not being able to have sex. He's like, excellent. <laughs> can use them again. I can dust off those old angel jokes. All right. These aren't just for when I'm really tired after working all day. <laughs> so, okay. But then Francis has a different question, which is the first thought I had when I watched the new Avengers Age of Ultron trailer is that Ultron looked a lot like Dr. Doom. This is mostly from the beginning of the trailer when he's sitting in the throne of a castle in the mountain somewhere in Europe being a metallic megalomaniac draped in fabric. Though later he has an army of robot minions that look a lot like him, which is another Doom shtick. And we know that Ultron isn't the full Ultron from the comics because of what Whedon said in an interview a few weeks ago. <laughs> I just thought of this is my doom shtick, and uh, I I want a poster of <laughs> that with Ultron sitting in the throne. This is my doom shtick. 
right. Okay. So thanks, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this is a quote from Whedon where he said, the powers in comic books, they're always like, and then I can reverse the polarity of your ions. Well, we have to ground things a lot more. With Ultron, we have to make him slightly less omnipotent because he'd win, bottom line. Also, having weaknesses and knees and foibles and alliances and actually caring what people think of him, all these things are what make him a character and not just a tidal wave. A movie about a tidal wave can be great, but it's different than a conflict between one side and another. So, end quote from Whedon. So Francis resumes and he says, so we know he's probably not going to be a fully unshackled AI, but more like a vengeful super genius metal guy with energy powers. So very Dr. Doom. And this leads me to wonder if Marvel is just introducing characters as proxy for their more popular counterparts that Marvel doesn't actually have access to. Um... He put out wrong information here, but he later corrected it in a follow-up email to me. But basically just about how other studios own Fantastic Four and X-Men. And in this trailer, we also get a guy with the straight-up Wolverine claws, three retractable claws coming out of the fist. Also, Scarlet Witch's powers seem way more like Jean Grey's. She exhibits telekinesis and potentially has telepathy. So my question is, do you think this is what Marvel is up to, trying to use their more popular characters sideways by giving their characteristics to more obscure characters as proxies? Dave actually wants me to answer this question. Is that right, Dave? Na, 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 <laughs> na, 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 I talk about this a lot when I write about Game of Thrones. Uh, you knew it was coming. Any excuse for me to talk about Game of Thrones? This is actually Dave's idea for me to talk about this. Anyway, point being, for the economy of storytelling on Game of Thrones, a television show, they often elide characters or recycle old characters that take the place of new characters so you don't have to introduce old characters. I mean, that's not really the case with Ultron or Scarlet Witch because they're brand new characters introduced. And if they're introduced to the characteristics of other more famous characters, then, you know, Francis's point stands. But, um, and they probably are trying to sideways in some of the characters that they don't have access to. But, but once again, um, you know, we talked about this when, when they were maybe not going to be able to use Spider-Man for... Captain America, and now they probably can. Captain America 3. Um, they can just find someone else to take his place, or better yet, converge several plot lines onto one character. Um, you know... Hello? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, that'd be... <laughs> oh, Johanna, are we done with the Game of Thrones talk yet? That being said, uh, you know, this... this stuffing a less popular character's role into a more popular character is not just a Marvel thing. They famously did that to Kitty Pride, and, you know, with Wolverine taking her place so that Hugh Jackman could, you know, be the lead instead of Ellen Page. Um, I, I don't know. I, but I think that's an interesting point. Um, I, I don't have a lot of exposure to Doctor Doom, so I didn't know about that, but I agree wholeheartedly with the, the Jean Grey assessment. Dave, uh, do you have any follow-up thoughts? I mean, the actual thought is you're right. This is economy of storytelling adaptation. Um, you like, you know, you have the character of Ultron. You need to make him complex. You cast James Spader. Yeah, it's going to kind of feel like Doctor Doom just because there's been enough iterations of Doctor Doom that could be James Spader that, you know, it's going to make sense. Um, the gossipy answer is that I would love for that to be exactly what this is. Being like, oh, you're going to make your Doom a hack hacker? Well, look what happens when we give ours a castle in, you know, <laughs> Eastern Europe in his own country. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you think that, you know, X-Men is great? Well, we're going to troll you by having, you know, Hawkeye have a bow that comes out with like a, 
uh, Wolverine claws, and we're going to have Inhumans be basically the same story purpose. Uh, I would love to be if that's what's happening, but honestly, it's that the Marvel Universe is so interconnected, and the comic books have been so interconnected that there are these gravity sucks for a certain type of character, and you could plug certain characters in there, whether you have the rights or not. Uh, I think Ultron is more interesting on film as a Doctor Doom than as Ultron, much like I think that Hank Pym is much going to be much more interesting as a has-been rather than a as-is. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm go for all of this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm interested for any reason that they're doing it. Um, I, I keep trying to read up on Scarlet Witch and understand her powers. And it seems like they change all the time in the comics, given whatever circumstance they want her in. Does that She's super okay? powerful. I mean, super powerful, but like super powerful in a number of ways, depending on how the wind is blowing. Right. Or is that... Uh, yeah. I mean, basically since, what, the House of M event, uh, she's been, like, the person you don't mess with because she's, you know, passionate and occasionally mentally unstable and really, really, really powerful. I think she was also the cause of the Axis event this year. Was it still this year? Last year. The Marvel Axis event where she changed everybody so the villains wanted to do good and the heroes were kind of the villains for a while. House of M is when she decided she would rather have her children died and she would rather have her children back. So she declared no more mutants and uh, sort of created her own alternate reality. And that's what sort of reduced all the mutants from the Marvel Universe way back when. That's going to come up for Battle World. Um, there's a House of M world. Uh, but yeah, Scarlet Witch is super powerful. I don't think they're going to power her up that much in this movie. I think we just have her as the, uh, you know, she can throw cars at Captain America and she can get everybody's mind and show them their greatest fear. But she does have the open to, like, if her and Doctor Strange get in the same place in one of the future Avengers movies, you're going to literally see sparks fly. <laughs> um, I hope. The other kind of sparks too. Now I, I officially well, I officially ship it. So. But she's supposed to fall in love with somebody else. Um. I mean, this is close enough to the end of the podcast, right? Uh, spoiler section, impromptu spoiler section. Leave hey, now. You don't want to well, hear. Well, I mean, this is like one of the most famous things. She's supposed to fall in love with Vision. Right, right, right. I did know that. Okay. And yeah, so it's gonna. It's, I'm assuming that's how it's going to go. Uh, with Paul Bettany's bum, the way it looks in that vision situation. I mean, that's he's all CG, right? He's not even a little bit human. I think he's a little bit. He had definitely had a lot of stuff glued to him on set. <laughs> uh, whether any of that comes through. <laughs> We'll, we'll see. But yeah, I would like to see some sort of hint that Vision and Scarlet Witch end up together. It's like the all the characters that are being introduced in Age of Ultron, we've had an idea that they'll be introduced. But the weird thing is nobody speculates them further down the road. We're all like, what's going to happen with Spider-Man? When are we going to get Black Panther? What are we, like these, these characters could be the center of something big that we don't even know about yet. All right. Um, I think that's it for us, right? Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off in that great comment. I was trying to think of like, I mean, I didn't really know much about Captain America before the movies came out, but obviously, like, I know he was super famous. But that being said, like, Black Widow, it's funny, I posted a photo 
of all the actors who are a Marvel actors who at Comic Con last year, which did not include Scarlett Johansson because she was like eight months pregnant or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I posted that on Twitter, and all the responses were it was about something else entirely. And all the responses were like, "Where is Scarlett Johansson?" And Black Widow has become such an important part of the Avengers franchise because Scarlett is awesome. And um, and the character's been written well subsequently. I don't think very well in Iron Man 2, but subsequently. Um, you know, and she's just, she wasn't a known... I know she's not unknown in the comic books, but I'm just saying, like, for, the, for an outsider, we didn't see Black Widow coming. That's what I'm saying. All right, I'm done. I'm just yeah. blathering on. <laughs> well, I don't think any... I, yeah, nobody saw Black Widow coming. Even yeah. the people who kept giving her more to do... Yeah. Or keep like what you want more Black Widow? Yes, like that. There will be more Black Widow and Hawkeye was like one of the first things we heard about Avengers two. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, they're they're aware of that, but like yeah, these other characters like I don't I don't know how what what sort of deal uh, Paul Bettany signed on for, but like a weird Vision cameo in like one of these other worlds with the, the fact that he's like magenta and green. I mean, my, uh, it might be really fun. Well, let us Ant-Man know. Ant-Man could go inside of him. Yeah. Ant-Man could go inside everybody. Um, let us know where you want to see Vision showing up. Uh, write in to bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. And find all of our episodes on Fighting the War Room slash comics. And um, Batman v Superman <laughs> enter the night.com. Uh, we might be announcing another like exciting Fighting in the War Room property soon. That's a tease that may not come to fruition. But anyway. Dave, oh, it will eventually. <laughs> but just, we don't know when. We don't know when. All right. Like Dave, Robert Downey Jr., we're making statements about surprises we have no idea about. <laughs> uh, Dave, where can people find your work? You can find me daily at geek.com, bi-weekly at latino-review.com, usually at forbes.com, and podcasting at fightinginthewarroom.com, and on Twitter at da 7 um, I'm Joanna Robinson. I was just trying to think if you forgot to think that you did this. I'm impressed. Uh, I'm Joanna yeah. Robinson. You can find me most days on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. I podcast about the television on the station agents. I podcast about Justified specifically on the Hollerback podcast. And I will be talking about Game of Thrones on A Cast of Kings and A Storm of Spoilers. So get ready to be so sick of me soon. Uh, that's about it for us this week. And we will... Uh, actually, I, I don't know if we're actually going to have a thought bubble next week. Yeah. What? <laughs> What's happening? I'm going to be in Texas. We'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll be oh, there's a, some sort of South by Southwest festival happening? <laughs> there's some sort of festival happening? Yeah, so I, I either I podcast from Texas, not going to happen, or like podcast from the bottom of a margarita jar, or... Uh, or we take a week off, or we have a super late episode. You know, you know what we should do? Is, you should have Julian on. I mean, I would, I would love to try to make that work, but otherwise, you should, um, if you have responses to any of the questions, just just leave me a voicemail, and uh, I could make sure that everybody hears your answers. <laughs> I'll leave you a voicemail from the bottom of the margarita glass. Uh, yeah, I, I will do as, as much as I can to make sure it's clear in the crazy South by bar that you're calling from. But yeah. Or maybe um, just run across other people that want to answer the question. I mean, anything, anything you want to do, we could, we could figure it out. Oh, yeah, I could do like a man on the street thing. Like a Billy Eichner, like, running up people and he's screaming at them about their favorite superhero costume. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so we'll be back in some for another quite soon. We're not sure what. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. Bye.